Hello, I'm Damien Edwardson, one half of Art92 and the creator of the sci-fi wrestling comic, The Galaxy Grappling Alliance. And welcome to Oh to That, the chip-free sporadic podcast series where I'll be talking to a selection of hand-picked guests on a diverse range of topics centred in and around the world of art, comics and all things creative. So on today's anniversary show, yes, we've been around for one whole year, I'm extremely pleased to welcome back a guest who appeared on one of the very first, if not the very first official omen to that. Not only is she the editor-in-chief at Fandemonium Net, a reviewer, the owner of 100 Pennies Photo, but also the brains behind Comic Scout that offers proofreading and editing services to small press comic book creators. Yep, it's safe to say that during the pandemic, she hasn't been stunted, so I'm thrilled to say a big welcome back to Claire Hemsworth. Good evening. How are you? Hello. I'm, I'm all right. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Kind of wilting slightly in the heat, but uh, other than that, we're good. Yeah, I've had to shut the window up here. Um, I'm, in, I'm in like one of the front bedrooms and it's on a busy road, so it's probably oh. about a thousand degrees now. So uh, <laughs> if you hear me audibly melting, then um, that's what it'll be. I actually picked up a really good tip last year during the ridiculous heat that we had from uh, Jim Campbell on Twitter, which is first thing in the morning, open your loft hatch. Sounds mental, allows the heat to go up past the insulation and it really works. Yeah, we well, our studio's in the loft. We had it um, kind of converted Ooh. a few years ago and yeah. it's hot up there. I can tell you it, the, it cools the landing, but you go up up there. It's like, oh, my God. So luckily, we've got a couple of um, nice skylight windows we could open. Um, awesome. So then you just, just got to remember to close them before it rains. <laughs> Otherwise, it would yes. be a disaster. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's a warm one. I'm actually one. watching it. It's getting darker and darker outside my house at the moment. I think we might be in for a bit of a storm this evening, possibly. Mm. Oh, yeah. But apart from that, everything uh, everything been OK over the recent strange events? Yeah, yeah. As you as you said in that fabulous introduction that made me sound far more uh, important than I actually am, um, I've had quite a lot going on. Uh, my mum and I launched uh, 100 Pennies Photography. She's a professional photographer um, and we decided to start selling some of her work online. Um, and then I've been doing reviews and editorial work for Fandomonium Network and doing some proofreading stuff as well. Brilliant. So it's all been pretty busy. You know. So obviously the purpose of today is to talk about the art of proofreading. And it, I've got to confess, as we had a bit of uh, talk before we started recording, it's not something that I'm particularly au fait with. I'm, I'm kind of familiar with the concept, but I'm really, really fascinated to speak to someone who does this professionally for people and, and offers it as a service. So I think it's going to be of real interest to people who maybe have never... Um, had anything that they've written proofread or are even aware of what it may entail so um, I'm, I'm really really excited to, to talk about it today. Absolutely me too. So do you want to just start off by you know telling us a little bit about your history with comics because obviously we, we know you're a comic lover um, you know what was the what got you into comics and what was the first comics that you can remember reading? Um, the first comics I can remember reading were Thundercats comic uh, way back in the 90s when I was a kid um, and I, it was just after we moved to Scotland and uh, I wallpapered my room with the 
posters in the middle and dismantled all of my comics and looking back on that I'm absolutely kicking myself <laughs> um, so I wish I still had those um so yeah that was that was probably my start and then I dabbled a bit through high school um don't really remember much but then when I got to university one of the guys that lived down the hall from me in my first hall of residence introduced me to preacher oh. and uh <laughs> which if you'll forgive the pun was a bit of a religious experience as far as uh, comics went oh um, wow yeah i've been pretty much hooked ever since yeah i, I absolutely adore preacher I, I adore it it's funny i was um a few weeks back i was rebagging um my preacher run and as i'm sitting here now i'm looking at the you know the kind of uh, the collections that the, i kind of keep mm-hmm. always keep them to hand because whenever i need a pick me up to cheer me up i just grab a volume and flick through i absolutely adore preacher i just it's one of those yep. watershed comics for me it's up there with things like dark knight returns and things that you know really affected me as a as a comics fan and um yeah yeah definitely brilliant brilliant stuff so um i mean that must have been quite a shock from thundercats to preacher i mean you know it's a bit <laughs> yeah um I, I did go by way of um the there was a I was a big Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan and oh, yeah. um, there was a, a spin-off comic from that a series called Frey that was uh, written by Joss Whedon <clears throat> um, and it was about a, a slayer about 500 years in the future um, oh. that was absolutely fantastic I've, somewhere I've got all the single issues and the trade paperback because I was completely yeah. obsessed with it um, so yeah, that was kind of a, a way station between innocence of, of Thundercats and Preacher. <laughs> yeah, Th- Thundercats. Um, I mean, going off topic slightly, but it always reminds me of my um, when I was a kid. We had a barber, and um, me and my mate Dell used to go on a Saturday morning and sit there and wait to be kind of butchered in the chair. And his nickname <laughs> was Vic the Vandal because <laughs> he, he was a terrible barber, and you know, you'd, people would say do you worse than he would. You know what I mean? He was one oh. of them. And you could always tell me something new came in because he could only do one one haircut. And that was like, a, you know, short back and sides because he was from the Navy. So he was a big guy, you know, muscular and stuff. And um, you'd see people coming in and pointing to the pictures on the wall going, oh, can I have, can I have like that? And he'd be like, no, mate. Oh, about that one? He'd be like, no, mate. So what can I have? He'd be like, short back and sides. And that would be it. And, uh, and whenever we were sat there, the, the, the thing is, he always had a little black and white portable telly resting on a chair and it was always playing it always seems to be playing thundercats whenever we went it was always playing thundercats and it was always my turn when something exciting was just about to happen <laughs> i was like oh but you, you couldn't say no to vic when he called you over you know what i mean he would have uh, he wouldn't have like thought it, twice though. about taking your ears off that fella <laughs> <laughs> i digress i digress Indeed. so so what are you reading at the moment then? What's capturing your, maybe not necessarily on a professional, because obviously you you review comics on a professional level as well, but on a yes. on a personal level, I mean, what what's your faves that's uh, kicking around at the moment? I'm absolutely hooked on uh, Dave Cook's Killtopia, um, which as well as having read and reviewed, I've also done proofing uh for volume three four and five is coming up it's wow. sitting in my inbox waiting for me to look at it and i'm 
very very excited about doing that um because that's been absolutely killer series so far um it's good things coming uh because as i say i've already read volume four because i've done the proofreading for it so (laughs) if you've you've been reading that one you've got you have no idea what's coming. Um, I might ruin it a little bit for you, though. Do you not, or is it exciting to be one of the first people to to see it? You know, it's incredibly exciting, but because I've only seen the script, yeah, um, I haven't seen the art. It's a completely different thing. So right. I I proofread volume three, and there were certain pages that I was so excited to see once they were actually had the art with them as well and they absolutely blew my expectations out of the water mm. so yeah it's yeah it's a bit of both it's it's kind of like oh you know it's getting to see it in advance is is very exciting it does take yeah. a little bit because you know what's coming but the art makes such a difference yeah yeah no oh, brilliant i've never read it i must admit i've read good things about it i've heard good things about it um and it's one of those things that back of my mind i keep thinking i must i must delve into it but my reading pile is ridiculous you know it's like likewise i'm ignoring hmm. the uh the box that i've actually got my feet on at the moment that has got my to read pile in it um yeah. i'm just gonna i'm gonna pretend it's not there it's just a footrest <laughs> yeah god knows yeah. what there's probably something i'm gonna absolutely love in there as and when i find the time it's uh yeah it's a it's just one of those things isn't it though because you don't want to just rush through reading them for the sake of reading them you want to sit and enjoy them and savor them and it's just finding time isn't yeah, it you know which absolutely. is bizarre when people we've probably had a bit more time than ever <laughs> but still you know not enough time to get through the reading part mind you also console myself with the fact that my reading pile will probably never be as bad as tony esmond so you know there's always that he's got a bigger it's job true. Hasn't he? yeah silver <laughs> lining absolutely <laughs> <laughs> brilliant so did did you want to get into creating comics or but did that ever appeal to you or was it was it just something that you enjoyed from kind of like um a more outside in experience um believe it or not i've <laughs> i've actually got an idea that i'm kicking about at the moment um mm. there was i when i hiked the pct back in 2015 um I met a guy and actually we met on our first day on trail. We started the same day and he finished the day before we did. Um, But we kind of kept pace with each other the whole way up from through California, Oregon, Washington. And he is a phenomenal artist. Um, He did cartoons of a lot of the people he met while he was on the trail. And he did one of me and my boyfriend, which I've got kicking about somewhere. um, That's absolutely fantastic. And, we tossed around this idea of working together for a while and we actually had a chat the other night and he suggested something that I went, Oh, actually. So I kind of slowly that's simmering away in the background. Um, we'll see if, if anything ever actually comes of it, but I think for now I'll probably just stick to reading what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So how did your interest in kind of, um, proofreading evolve then and how did you transition into that was this on the back of possibly reviewing and spotting errors and plot holes or was it was it something that you've always had an interest in in doing that kind of work um well I have a master's in English um so it's 
I I love English. I, I love reading in many many forms. Um, but yeah, it, it came from reviewing, and it started out that I'd get um books to to review sent to me, and I'd notice the odd thing, and I'd go back and I'd mention it to the creators, as long as it was you know before the book got published and there was something they could actually tweak and fix. Um, And from then, um, it was actually my mum that suggested um, going into actually providing proofreading and editing services. So I decided to uh, give it a go. And I've had some interest. There's a I've had a few repeat customers, as I said, Killtopia. Um, I've done quite a bit for Tony um, from the Awesome Comics podcast as well. Um, And uh, Spark. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, an eye-opening experience, <laughs> I will say that. Um definitely a, a different kettle of fish from the Spark, the All Ages <laughs> anthology. Um yeah. yeah. <laughs> and do, do you find though that the process is the same? Do do you find that, you know, do you have a set process for for proofreading or do you do you adjust that slightly depending on what the book is, what the genre is, what the age um audience target is or or is it very Uh, much a a set process that you do it is pretty much a set process but the only variation is at what stage of the project I get brought in right some people will send me a script before any artwork um, and at that point it's usually a lot more in depth so it's more of a, a copy edit rather than a, a proofread. It'll be going through looking for not just typos and grammatical errors, but also um, inconsistencies in the book, um, particularly if it's a, an ongoing series. There was something I picked up in uh, volume four of Killtopia that referred back to volume three. It was just a little note, um, but that was, you know, it was a, a very welcome thing that got picked up before it goes to the artist and potentially becomes unfixable. Um, mm. If it's later in the the stage, so I get sent a PDF before it goes off to be printed. Um, So it's basically the finished book in digital format. Then it is mostly just a proofread. That's a much quicker process um, because it's just a case of going through looking out for grammar and typos. Yeah. And which do you prefer? Do you prefer being more involved earlier on in doing some of the the sort of editing, the copy editing stuff, or do you just you know do you just enjoy doing the the proofreading and I like that both mm. uh, it is it is great to be involved earlier in the process obviously um but yeah the they both have their rewards when you you catch something that might have been a glaring error that that gets through in the final um in the final book that makes a big difference I'm still amazed because you do see some quite major companies that still, you know, they, they drop some right clangers sometimes with, mm-hmm. with, you know, with the proofreading and stuff. Absolutely. And it really stands I out as well, a, doesn't it? It does. I picked up a novel last year that was the sequel to something that I'd read and absolutely loved. I was, you know, champing at the bit to get my hands yeah. on this sequel when it came out, went in the day it was released, picked it up from Waterstones. I was that desperate. I got about two chapters in and there was a whole sequence of typos and grammatical errors. And I put I put the book down. Mm-hmm. I, that was it. I, I had to walk away from it for a bit because it just yanked me out of the story so completely. Yeah. Um, that even though I was 
absolutely loving this the story and the world that it's in I was just like really this is a properly published book that was in a bookshop and there are still all of these problems in it um and that's that's the thing for me that's why I think proofreading is so important um because as a reader I find that if the, the story can be great the art can be great and then I'll hit that typo in a you know pivotal moment I'll go oh come on really and that's it it kind of ruins the flow um Mm. of what of the story yeah yeah so just for someone like like myself as I say who's you know and probably people listen to this as well that are quite sort of new to this as a as a as a concept that they can Mm. access you know because I mean you you hear of people having things proofread and that normally means you give it to someone you know who probably isn't much better at reading the stuff than you are do you know what I mean I'm looking for the right things so can you walk us through from you know from a creator submitting something to you agreeing at the end that it's it's finally proofed I mean what what is that kind of timeline and what 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 does it look like that kind of those steps um obviously it depends on the length of the book um but it's usually a good uh probably three or four hours um right it'll take me to go through so i'll work through the script line by line or if it's the uh, you know a finished pdf then it'll be panel by panel um and then looking out for typos grammatical errors um or if it's as i say the the script then any inconsistencies so you know as you get further through the book there might be a reference and you think hang on a second and you end up going back yeah. um and then what i do is line by line uh, you know as i find an error i'll annotate the script in a word document and then that's what gets sent back to the creator for them to make any amendments right. and then or if it's a pdf It'll be a separate document and it'll be it'll go through page by page, panel by panel, um, speech bubble by speech bubble, you know, and if noting where the error is, suggesting any changes that need to be made. Um, it's a lot of work. It is. It's it's more work than you might think. I had somebody uh, get in touch with me not that long ago. And they said they had about I think he said he had about 132 pages of script written. And how long would that take me to proofread? To which my response was, well, how long is a piece of string? Because I've no idea whether your grammar and internal consistencies are absolutely perfect. And I'm basically just going to read 130 pages or if it's going to take me four and a half days because I'm working through it and there's an error in every line. So, yeah, it is it is hard to sort of estimate how long any piece is going to take which is why i charge by the hour <laughs> <laughs> well hey you never know do you? i mean you, you know we go oh yeah it's x and then you you, you get like a 500 page bloody dog's dinner to plow through yes, yes. Is i it, made that mistake when i first started i was i was doing it by page uh charging you know right so x amount for 50 pages say and um yeah some of them were taking me far longer than others to get through so i thought possibly need to uh have a rethink on that one yeah it's a bit like art that where you know you mm-hmm. have a page rate but i mean i'd never ever break down page rates to actual hours because it would just depress me 
you know, I mean, yeah, I might as well pay it's then. <laughs> it's, like, it, you know, people talk about, oh, you know, you don't even make minimum wage. And like, no, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't no. you'll give you make your beer money. But, you know, you do it for the love of it. That's that's the thing. I mean, it's very different yeah. um, when you're doing a, a very clear service like you were, you know, you are. Um, I mean, from what you've said about, you know, the amount of engagement that you're giving back as, as far as, you know, things like plot holes and inconsistencies. I mean, that's you can't. Well, you can buy that because that's what they're paying you for. But, you know, you, it's that kind <laughs> of stuff that you would never get, you know, as, a, as someone who's probably slaved over a, a comic and a story themselves. You know, you do get blind to it, don't you, after a while? Um, well, that's, that's the thing. That, that's why I would say to anyone who is writing a comic, even if you don't come to me or, you know, somebody else who's offering proofreading services, just get somebody else to look over what you've written because you get so familiar with your own writing and I find it in my own stuff when I'm writing for Fandomanium Network you know what you were intending to write so even when you look back over it your brain fills in what you meant yeah rather than what might actually be on the page and you'll miss it it can be something tiny um or it can be something major but because you're that close to the material you need someone who's got that level of that extra layer of detachment from it who hasn't slaved over it sweated blood over it and agonized over every word um to just give that objective look at it i think um that and i think that is that's the crux of it that's why i would say to everybody get your work looked at by someone Uh, and i think especially in the the kind of small press world where i know you've you've we were talking earlier, you were saying that, you know, you, you started doing this to really help out with small press creators. Um, yeah. Because because it is very much a DIY hobby comics. I mean, I'm recording this from my yacht, obviously paid for by my, my <laughs> Galaxy Grappling comics, you know. Um, of course. Uh, you know, because well, we're all millionaires, aren't we, Claire? Let's be I fair, you know, yeah. you know. But um, because it is very much a DIY hobby and it is very much, you know, you and if you're lucky enough to have someone who's creative to to, to bounce ideas off and, and things like that. And I'm fortunate that I've got H um, who, who can write and is also a, an artist. Well, actually, a sickeningly mm. good artist, as I'm sure you know. Um, but fun. it's useful for me. But to not then have anyone like yourself maybe cast a really objective eye over it. I bet you see, I mean, I wouldn't want you to divulge, but I, I bet you could see something that's going to need a lot of work. Um, so far, just thinking back, no, I, have, I haven't I have had anything that has been absolutely horrendous. Um, everything's been, well, with the exception of Tony's stuff, obviously, but, you know, well, um, there's um, no, there's there's nothing. I mean, it's all, as as you know, and as I'm sure all of your listeners know, a quality of work in the small press scene is absolutely outstanding Mm. um so pretty much without exception it's it's most of it is just the odd typo here and there a little bit of grammar um and maybe the odd oh you you've put that they did this but they actually did that (laughs) on on page 12 kind of thing you know that's that's about as as much as it's been so far not yeah. to say that I won't get other stuff come across my desk that uh, that needs a bit more work, but uh, yeah, we shall wait and see. But do you think that might be down to the fact that 
some people are very um I mean, I, I, I have terrible imposter syndrome about my work. I always have done, you know, and um, I've, I always think everything's just really bad. And nobody will know how much I have to go through in order to even just put any work out there. You know, it's an internal argument with myself all the time to just go, just do it. And I'm like, I don't want to do it. It's crap. I'm like, just do it, you know. But do you think, because on the flip side, there are some people who are extremely confident about what they do. And... Mm-hmm. There I say, possibly sometimes they're the people that probably need an objective view over, you know, stories, scripts, grammar, even from an art perspective sometimes. And do you think mm. that might be might be what it is that sometimes the people who could really benefit might kind of just not feel that they need it? Is that is that fair, do you think? Yes. I've, I've, there's one thing that I've, I've got kind of in the back of my mind, which was... Um, someone who I was meant to do a proof for and one thing and another I ended up not doing it and they got someone else who was involved to do it and when the book came through because it was a a kickstarter that I backed I haven't actually been able to bring myself to read it yet because I couldn't get further than the first couple of pages um because the points that I'd originally brought up um hadn't been fixed right so that was and obviously that was a well you know we've we've looked over it's fine we've we've looked over our own work and that's what you know they haven't got that um they think that everything's fine and doesn't need to be looked at by anybody else so off it went to print and yeah yeah it's it's never a good idea to mark your own homework is it to be fair no no i and that's yeah that's a that's a very good analogy actually (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm big on believing. Get eyes on it, you know, get other people to have a look at it and give you some feedback. Now, I know some people don't like honest feedback. You know, that's that's another um, it's a bit of a minefield in it sometimes, you know. Yeah, but, it's a tricky one. But generally, you know, when you're doing the kind of jobs that we do, where you're putting things out in the public domain, I mean, same with you, you, with reviewing or whatever it may be, you've got to be prepared that at some point somebody will have an opinion. I mean, God knows everybody's got a bloody opinion these days, aren't they? Because you you can't help but be bombarded by it. But it also, I think if you do it at the right time, though, like you say, Mm. if you if you. You know, if if you know that maybe your your script or your grammar or your writing isn't particularly the best, then to get involved early with someone offering the kind of service that you do of proofreading or even copy editing, I mean, surely that's going to make a better product at the end of it. I would hope so. Yeah, um, definitely. And I I do think that I mean, we you talked about imposter syndrome before I think we've all got that to a point I have it with when I do my reviews I'm always sitting there going do I really want to publish this should I publish this are they going to hate me for it for for Mm. what I've said it does take giving yourself a bit of a kicking sometimes but then the other side of that is obviously I'm the editor at Found My Meme Network (laughs) as well so I do have to check over other people's work and they're exactly the same they'll send me pieces going this is crap. I'm sure it's crap. And you read it over and you go, no, it's great. What are you talking about? Mm. You know, you have to have a, a bit of belief in yourself, but also get that second opinion. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about that actually, about you know, with with you um, writing reviews and stuff and, and fandomonium. I mean, do do you all? So I take it then you kind of almost peer review each other's stuff. Is that that kind of an inbuilt process that you just would go through naturally? Um, I I do you know what? I don't even know how I ended up being the editor over there. It's just one of those things. It just kind of happened. I ended up as basically the most senior longest lasting member of staff um and it just kind of happened by default i don't um, think so, so then, i think you're being as... a bit <laughs> thinking there. i mean well, I, you know i work really... with people that have been there for 40 years and believe me you wouldn't put them in in a position of uh, authority so um no it's but i would have to say Claire, i think on that one you you've been a bit um hard on yourself i presume it's because you're just good at what you do and you know they recognize that um, well, you, you'd have to ask the uh, the boss on that one. But then as new members of staff, new writers have come on board. Yeah. Um, They go through a probationary period of three months where everything that they produce goes through me first right. before it gets before it go, goes live on the site. Just so that I can make sure that they're fitting in with the kind of style that we go for um, on Fandomonium Network. Then once they hit that three months it's a case of right okay training wheels are off off you go I don't want to see anything anymore because I've got enough to do but every now and again if there's something that comes up that they're indifferent to what they would normally be so instead of a review they're doing more more Mm. of an editorial piece occasionally I'll go can you can you have a look at this because I'm not sure that it works or it you know it flows right so yeah I do the odd bit here and there but at the moment everybody seems to be kind of trucking along quite nicely which leaves me more time to do what I've got to do yeah I suppose the, you know at the end of the day have you have you found that the reviewing side of, of your kind of work is, is still as busy as ever or was was there been a bit of a you know a bit of a trough and a peak again with with the pandemic stuff no I have a phenomenal backlog that uh i never seem to get anywhere near clear <laughs> because i review one thing and three more drop into my inbox so um quite nice i could uh, get one of those time turners from harry potter <laughs> where i can do every day like three or four times that would that would be great or clone myself the other option of those would be great because then I could do the editorial stuff and the proofreading stuff and the viewing and it would all fit nicely but yeah as I said yeah. uh, I've got this this box the box <laughs> underneath the desk that I'm using as a footrest is just the physical stuff that I've got to read wow. the unread pdfs and things in my inbox are frankly terrifying uh, yeah if you if you're one of the people that's got anxiety about the unread count in your email inbox you do not want to come anywhere in mind because it will terrify <laughs> you and send you into a corner brilliant stuff <laughs> made me feel better now about my emails <laughs> i used to have a boss and um, when he went on holiday he'd come back and the first thing he'd do is he'd just delete all the emails that came in and he'd be like <laughs> You can't just delete I them. I said, well, I said I was away. He said, so I figure I'm back now. And if it's important, they'll email me again. <laughs> I'm just thinking, oh, geez. now that would that would give me anxiety because you could guarantee, couldn't you? You know, it's 99 times out of 100, it's yep. bobbins. But there'll always be that one thing in there that is going to yeah. get you. And um, yeah, yeah he, just, he just used to just, you know, shift 
click delete <laughs> it's, it's mm. phenomenal yeah. not, not that i'm condoning you would do such a thing with your own video no i wouldn't i wouldn't dare <laughs> so I if you if you're waiting for claire to <laughs> review anything don't worry she won't she'll just delete it <laughs> it might take me a couple of years to get to it but i promise i will delete it brilliant brilliant <laughs> so if anybody because i mean people like these kind of process shows because um firstly they're fascinating to find out the kinds of activities that go on that are really a bit of a mystery to a lot of us because we don't mm-hmm. do it and secondly it also gives people an idea of how they can maybe make their their comics and things better so what advice would you give to uh, creators who are thinking of maybe getting their script proofread or even even earlier than that you know and getting some involved to do some some kind of editing um what would you recommend to them do it obviously there's going to be some nerves and some trepidation about throwing something to somebody else that you you know you've spent so much time putting together mm. um in which case if you're that nervous about it maybe ask a friend or a relative if you're not ready to throw it you know somebody professional as it were Mm. but I would I would definitely say in the end it is going to give an extra layer of polish to your project and hopefully the reader's you know like I said about me you know as a reader finding typos pulling you out of the story you don't want that you want your reader to be able to pick up your book start reading and lose themselves in it completely because that's that's why that's why we all read and why we read comics Mm. so if you're at all nervous about having somebody else look over your work don't be it does take a little bit um and you know I've, i've had this myself when i've written things that people have looked at and gone no you need to fix that you do need to swallow your pride a little bit um because there's there's going to probably be something you've missed that even if it's only one or two things there's there's going to be something that you're going to need to to fix and that's not a bad thing that's you know at least it's been fixed before it hits the presses and Mm. ends up in the hands of hundreds of people all over the world potentially yeah thousands of people there's the dream well yeah we can dream, can't we? And that's the one that have a right bloody clangor in it, wouldn't it? <laughs> the one thing that you create that sells. <laughs> like page one be like, oh, shit. Yeah, that would that would be. <laughs> I mean, I I know in the in the past when I've reviewed stuff that's you know phys- physical books that are ready to go that are, yeah. that are out there in the world, and I have noticed issues. And I have contacted creators and said, look, I know it's too late to do anything about it now. I've This is something that I've, I've posted about on um, the Awesome Comics chat on Facebook and said to the creators there, as a reviewer, would you want me to tell you that mm. I found issues in your work? And that was kind of where the, the whole genesis of me doing proofreading came from, was oh. do I point this out to people? Um, I remember that thread, that. actually. It's, yeah, it was a fascinating yeah. discussion, wasn't it? went a bit a bit wrong at the end but you know (laughs) um we won't go there (laughs) no (laughs) i remember tony texting me going i'm dropping out now (laughs) it's like me too (laughs) yeah i just i just like to sort of set fires and then run away i you know kick up a controversy and then leg it so yeah i 
definitely that would be my advice is get another pair of eyes on it that hasn't spent the last however many months or years slaving over create you know creating this your baby basically get just get someone else to give it a once over Mm. or you know more if you think it needs it yeah and would you always recommend i mean yeah not that this is this is a kind of leading question here but would you always recommend that you maybe go to somebody like you say objective that there is a professional doing this rather than your gran who's going to love everything you did anyway if you're looking for someone to do, do more copy editing then yes i yeah. would say get somebody objective um if you are just looking for somebody to proofread it and make sure you have got your twos and twos the right way around and there there and there um mm-hmm. Oh, upsets me. Then, yeah, oh, me too. Oh, no. <laughs> then, you know, as long as your mate knows which is the right one to be using in any particular situation, <laughs> then yeah. yeah, go for it. Um, but if if you've got any doubts about whether or not your friends have got that, you know, the the right knowledge, then it's probably better to go to a professional whoever that is and there are you know there are I'm not the only one there are lots mm-hmm. of people out there offering proofreading and editing services but you're um, the best obviously because <laughs> oh, you wouldn't have this show otherwise you know <laughs> we don't have any old riffraff on well apart from Esmond and Falpy and that but you know uh, normally we have we have a very high bar <laughs> for them I just lay the bar on the floor really <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> and they crawl over it <laughs> well they try <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, you know you are very good at what you do and, and I know talking to Tony that you know you're singing your praises about the stuff you've done with um, with Atomic Hercules and stuff so the, I like the fact that when we were talking you were explaining how you you really set this up with small press kind of mm. creators in mind particularly because yeah it is difficult to get help sometimes on your own project and so yeah. if you're listening to this and you're thinking of doing it then please give Claire a try. You know, it may not be for you because you may not like the fact that you'll be honest about things, but somebody will point it out if you print it. Yeah. And wouldn't you rather have it pointed out when you've got a chance to change it? That's that's the question. I was going to ask you that because it was fascinating before when you talked about, you know, your your proofread kind of scripts or your proofread, you know, PDFs of, of obviously when it's more advanced and there's artwork. I mean, surely, I mean, I, I... I'm kind of with the mind that I would want it maybe copy editing or proofreading before I've even embarked on any artwork because there could be something in there that's, you know, if you've missed the plot point that you're making reference to on a previous page, it's going to cause you issues from the art front. So surely it's a bit of a false economy to do it that way. Um, Would you you agree with that or am I talking nonsense as usual? Um, Yeah, I mean... In in some cases, um, for example, like Killtopia is produced by BHP and they have their own in-house editors, you know, story edits. So that's kind of the, the first step once it's been written is it goes to them and they yeah. go, oh, no, that doesn't work. Scrap that section or whatever. And then by the time it gets to me, it's already pretty polished. So it was particularly with that one being a fan of the series as well because you know I've been on board since mm. I think I backed the first Kickstarter if not the first I definitely was on board for the second one 
um, yeah. as the T-shirts in my drawer will attest. <laughs> um, <laughs> seriously, if you ever want me to get uh, want to get me to back your Kickstarter, T-shirts and beanie hats as, <laughs> as, as perks, that's the way to go. Yeah, so being a fan of the series, I obviously knew more and had the knowledge of what had happened to certain characters in certain places. So mm. when this thing came up, in volume four i was like oh wait hang on a second throw back to whichever previous issue it was to, um, and picked up on that issue and that's something that you know if it's going to going through an editing department and it might volume one might go to one person volume two's gone to somebody else volume three goes to a different person there's no continuity yeah so if you, if you can get the same person to do the whole lot down the line then you're obviously going to get that experience and a bit more in-depth knowledge of the world that you've created, the the characters and all the rest of it. And that helps with being able to pick up on any stylistic inconsistencies or anything like that down the line as well. Yeah, brilliant. It's a great service. I mean, it's something that, you know, I, I would encourage um, people to... I'm already thinking about the next stuff that we're doing. And, um, you know, I can always... I can already imagine that we're going to be uh, getting in touch with you to ask you to <laughs> cast your eye over things and, and you know, Not things like that. So, because the, go- the the big question that people will be wondering is like, well, it's all very well getting things proofed, but it sounds expensive. You know, it's a bit like, I remember once when we moved into this house and we used to have one of those old fashioned gas fires. And for years I did everything to disguise it. You know, I built cupboards around it and all this stuff because I thought it's going to cost a bomb to get this taken out, you know, get this gas fire removed mm. and that. And eventually I rang a guy because I'd had enough of trying to basically do DIY around it and make it look nice. And it always just looked like a gas fire in a cupboard. And he went, yeah, I'll come and do it, mate. It'd be 20 quid. I was like, oh, bloody hell. You know, <laughs> I'd spent more on wood <laughs> over the years yeah. and stuff. So people kind of probably listen to this. It sounds very expensive, copy editing and proofreading. It sounds like one of those things that you think, well, you know, don't know if I can afford that. And I mean, and feel free, you know, not to obviously answer this, but can you give people who may be thinking about it and want to build it into their budget a rough idea of what they might be looking at for not necessarily yourself, but but a proofreader or a copy editing job? I know it's by the hour, but what's the going rate? Yeah, um, I mean, the there is actually um, a, a proofreading association. Um, and I think the last time I checked for a basic proofread, they recommended about 35 quid an hour right um because it you know it is detail oriented work it takes focus being that i am you know i i've got a fairly decent knowledge of the small press scene and i know that there isn't a lot of money flying about you know i know you're recording this from your yacht and i'm recording this from my mansion obviously but um with that in mind, I was like, you know, I, I want people to take up this service, but mm. I know that I need to kind of price it accordingly. So for proofread, you know, pretty simple if it's, you know, finished PDF, all you're looking for is somebody to go through and make sure there aren't any glaring typos in it. I usually charge about 20 quid an hour. Um, obviously, how long your book is and how much work. I actually have to put in is is going to change what the actual yeah. figure is at the end of it for copy editing because that is a more 
intensive process and it does require more detail that's more like about 40 give or take so but even yeah. that's just very good though i mean it's a lot less than i thought it would have been to be honest with you um for both of those you know i i, I had no idea what it would cost but <laughs> Um, I wouldn't have thought it would have been would have been that. So it's something you can definitely, particularly if you're kickstarting as well, you know, yeah. um, it's something that you could definitely build into your, your overall costs, isn't it? That Because it's yeah. it, it's going to improve the quality of what you're putting out there. You're a professional and you know what you're looking for and Absolutely. you know what you're doing. So, so you've heard it here, folks. You've got a bargain. I expect <laughs> Claire to be moaning to me next saying, I've got all this bloody stuff to read. It's like... You know, let's edit it. Say it's hundred pound an hour. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say if if that happens, well, I'll be putting my prices up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's brilliant. That's right. And thank you for being so um so open about that as well. I that's think right. it's really useful for people to know because it is one of those things that nobody would want to ask. You know, but yeah. it would put people off, wouldn't it? So mm. you've got no yeah, excuses I mean, listening to this. Um, obviously as as i said you know word word of warning depending on how much work it is going to take and how long your book is it it will make a difference so (laughs) just bear that in mind and be prepared to have it done properly is the other caveat isn't it you know because i suppose there would be i don't know but weirdly would you think there'd be a sense of injustice if you got something and you read it and you had to write back going yep um it's all fine actually you know you'd kind of be thinking you know, you'd put a couple of typos in just to get your money's worth, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> oh, that that would be. I think that would actually be quite nice. I I'm not sure you you're paying for nothing. I think it's peace of mind. I I didn't mean uh, nothing, but you know what people are like. You know what you yeah. know how people work. It's like oh grief, you know. <laughs> But yeah, no, you're right. It is, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic service. So I would urge anyone to um, to take Claire up on a, a brilliant rate as well and get the while you can before she yeah. starts putting her prices up because she's in debt yeah. with work. And you have to yeah. bid for like eBay, <laughs> won't it? <laughs> Ooh, now that, that would be the dream. Yeah. Auctioning Excellent. off four hours of my time. <laughs> so here's, here's a question I didn't send to you before I have to think about that. If you could, if you could proofread anything other than Kiltopia what would it be if, if somebody said to you right you know you can proofread anything that's going to be coming up what what do you have something that you go oh, I'd love to I'd love to have a read of this you know God. um oh you've really put me on the spot there I do you know what I've been so busy recently I haven't actually looked at a whole lot of what's coming up Ooh. anything Mike Garley puts out right would be up there on the list i have done i have done a bit of work for him actually um oh, yeah. uh his the faux vhs book that he did i i don't know if you've you've seen it he did a it's a book of uh completely fake 80s video nasties that no well made up, up entirely so that for each one there is a title cast reviews plot synopsis the whole the whole lot and it's all completely made up. Uh, that, that's right up my stratus. If you've ever watched Red Letter Media's Best of the Worst on, on YouTube, yeah. it's like that in a book, oh, but fake. Brilliant. Yeah, highly recommend that one. So, yeah, any, anything from him, if you're listening, Mike, yeah, drop me a line. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, 
actually i'm a, a big fan of the the Medius comic lot and uh and what they put out so if there's ever yeah. any more paper cuts and ink stains then uh yeah I'll, i'd definitely be up for doing that because that's a that's a cracking series yeah brilliant no that's good it's good stuff interesting choices as well you know <laughs> you know mo- most people that have gone oh batman oh i mean I've said this every week. i haven't got a bloody clue what's going on with batman anymore I'm sure he's got a moustache. You know, it's not exactly going to keep your identity secret, is it? <laughs> it's, it's not. Well, I did. I did see a thing today. You know, if um a, a skinny woman in her twenties turned up wearing like military grade Kevlar and started fighting crime, you wouldn't go, "Oh, look, it's a Kardashian." You just <laughs> you you just go, "Okay, then, fair enough. On you go. Carry on." Um, you wouldn't necessarily make the connection. So, you know, there is some plausibility. Sure. And then there's the age old story about um, Christopher Reeve going into the canteen in the Clark Kent costume and right. nobody batting an eyelid uh, at who he was. And then when he goes in in a Superman suit, everybody was like, oh, my God, it's Superman. So, you know, the disguise does work. Do you know, the, the thing with Christopher Reeve, though, is I was watching this the other week. I was watching um, I, I love those those original Superman films. I, I just adore them. And I think Brilliant Christopher enough. Reeve was just, he, he was the best Superman. Well, maybe it's a generational thing, but I just thought he was so good. And the difference between his characterization of Clark Kent and Superman mm. is phenomenal. It, 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 even though he's a big guy, you know, it, it, yeah. you could tell it just, it's, it was everything he did from the little ticks to the mannerisms to, yeah, it was mm. just, Everything about it was so good and believable yeah. that actually, you could actually think, you know, yeah, you probably yeah. wouldn't guess, you know. Speaking of the sort of generational, the the guy who's playing Superman in the Superman and Lois show that's on the CW at the moment, yeah. Tyler Hecklin, he does a fantastic job of playing bumbling Clark Kent versus Superman. And he is absolutely nailing it at the moment. I, I believe so. I can't remember it was who told me that. I was talking to someone about a very similar subject, and they were saying how good he was, actually. They, he did invoke this spirit of Christopher Reeve in the way that he, yes. he handled the two sides of the character. You know, Definitely. But, yeah. Definitely. It's brilliant. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. Good stuff. And sorry we digress again there. But hey, nothing wrong with a bit of Superman, is there? Let's be honest. Absolutely not. <laughs> Apart from your proofreading, then, as we mentioned earlier, you know, you're reviewing and, and also a more personal project. You've got your 100 pennies photography site, which did you say you'd set that up with your mum? Yeah, um, my mum is a professional photographer and wow. usually she would be inundated with weddings and commercial photography and all that kind of thing. But obviously in the last 18 months, that's just dried up completely. So we were like, well, what what can we do? What? How can we? make something of this and obviously she's been a photographer for 30 years um so she's got hard drives upon hard drives upon hard drives of photos so we started combing through them and going "Hmm, maybe we could sell some of these um so yeah we we've got an etsy store that we're slowly adding bits and pieces to i think we've got about 45 images on there at the moment um a mixture of black and white and color there's um landscapes there's animal photography there's some really quite quirky unusual food photography um 
yeah, there's there's a, a bit of bit of everything. So uh, we're we're slowly setting that up, and I think there'll probably be links to it. All there's links in all my bios on Twitter and everything. So if you if you want yeah. to check that out, you can. And we'll um, put yeah, the links in the show notes, obviously for you as well. But I've just got to say, I mean, the the photographs are gorgeous. I mean, I I love photography anyway, and <laughs> our postman's a photographer actually. He's he's a brilliant oh, photographer. Wow. I mean, he he really is a beautiful photographer as well, and um, very much similar to to the the style that your your mum does as well. I mean, there's one that I'm just trying to find it that struck me the other day. It was like um, it was looking through some kind of bare trees in a kind of forest with the I think it's the moon in the distance. And oh god, it's it's mesmerising. It's a gorgeous picture. Yes, um, I do like that one. I think I put that one up the other day and I said it's not too early to start thinking about Halloween, is it? Yeah, that's um, the one. Yeah, yeah, I've just found it now. Well, yeah. I, yeah, it's a definite beautiful spooky, work. spooky vibe to it, that one. Beautiful work. No, it's really good, really good. Thank so, um, but just quickly then, where can people find us? Is just 100 pennies photography on um, um Yeah, 100 Twitter? pennies photo on Etsy and on Twitter, um, Instagram and Facebook. Excellent. Um, we're, we're all over the place. You'll you'll spot us. Our uh, we have a, a little dandelion, little black and white dandelion clock is our uh, sort of signature image. Lovely stuff. So what else have you been up to then? Because as I mentioned, you you know you're not exactly one for sitting around and doing nothing, are you? So what other well, projects no. have you got to go? I've been walking a lot. Um, I know we talked about this last time I was uh, I was here, and uh, I think I mentioned it before. Um, obviously plans for long distance hiking have been a bit scuppered mm-hmm. um in the last year or so but i have actually just discovered um a hundred mile loop track up in the highlands of scotland that my partner and i are going to disappear off and go and do next month so yeah. i'm quite looking forward to that pack yeah. the tent grab the backpacks and off we go super so, yeah yeah i've been doing a lot of walking since we got the dog that yeah, I, I I do like your morning album cover <laughs> photography shoots. Yeah, always make me giggle. Yeah, Marty the Wonder Dog. He's uh, <laughs> he's 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 quite popular actually. I think he's uh, he's amazing. You know, don't bother wasting days and days on a piece of artwork. Just take a picture no. of a dopey yeah. looking dog in the morning, and you know you're away. <laughs> and you'll you'll get more likes on that than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he is beautiful though he's a lovely little fella well he's not so little actually but um he's a rescue greyhound so he comes with a bit of um a little bit of baggage really and he's a bit anxious yeah. and we're having to kind of you know integrate him into social ways as it were and he's he's, he's not in any way kind of um vicious or anything like that i mean far from it he's just very very anxious you know he kind of hides behind you like a child and peeks out and it's like you know you're about three foot tall. He's beautiful. It, it's always the way with big dogs, though. The, the bigger mm. the dog, generally, the softer they are. Um, yeah. I, I grew up with um, with gun dogs. We had pointers when I was right. growing up. Um, and they were the softest pair you've ever known in your life. Um they were they both weighed about five five and a half stone and would just get up into your lap like they were puppies yeah. or kittens and just like okay great now I'm slowly losing feeling in my legs <laughs> awesome um 
but yeah they they were the, and then i've met uh, you know other smaller dogs and they're the ones that you've got to worry about they're the, yeah. the terrifying i will fight you kind of aggression <laughs> yeah it's like that great meme about chihuahuas isn't it you know the 50 percent oh. tremble and 50 percent hate and yes. uh, i think that's pretty accurate actually mm. you know yeah <laughs> yeah it's pretty i'd good. be far more frightened of a chihuahua or a jack russell than i ever would be of a rottweiler or a doberman yeah that's true probably helps that the first do- first rottweiler i ever knew was called lassie <laughs> brilliant <laughs> oh please tell me it wore a cravat <laughs> <laughs> no no she didn't but she did like to lie on your feet no matter where you were oh. she had to she had to be on your feet oh bless her well <laughs> they are lovely dogs though aren't they there's something about yeah. a dog that I've not had, we've not had a dog for, well H's never had a dog so this is her first dog and I've not had a dog for donkey's years and you just forget how much company they are you know we've had cats and stuff and they were lovely as well but mm. there's just something about a dog that you know I don't know it's just one of those lovely pets isn't it that yeah. well, they're not even pets really are they I yeah, mean there's only three it was in the house and I'm bought them the pecking order <laughs> again <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind <laughs> Brilliant. So what else can we expect from you, Claire? You got any other plans, any other projects on the go? Apart from your um, collaboration, which I'm really excited for now, and you must make happen because you've said it on the show, and I'm going to keep playing oh it until you do. <laughs> uh, have I got anything else coming up? There is something potentially in the works, um, a sort of offshoot of uh, Fandomonium Network, which is um, we're kind of plugging away quietly behind the scenes, which will be... Um, fandom related merchandise that for like more obscure stuff um i I, i've been reminded because i'm sitting here looking at some of the pin badges that we've we've made um i've got a a very very cute series of um john constantine pin badges that are on the board in front of me um that's that's something that we do and uh, yeah, so that's that we're kind of setting that up at the moment, getting ready to to launch that. So hopefully that will be um, sort of second half of this year. We'll get yeah. that get that going. Oh, I love a pin badge. <laughs> I think I might have a spare set. I'm obsessed with pin badge. I've, I've got H is uh, again digressing, <laughs> but hey, yeah, that's what we're doing it. And yeah. H has been doing a bit of um, sort of DIY, so she was sanding down an old sort of um, draw unit today and painting it up and that. She's done a really good job of it. But she opened a drawer, it was just full of badges I bought. It's like, you know, there's all sorts in there from like a hand solo in carbonite to like a Texas chainsaw badge. And it's like, oh, there's me, there's me Texas badge. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here, look, I've got four cork boards, just like, I think they're about 12 inch square cork boards. Um, and they're all full, uh, mostly of Kickstarter pins and badges i've picked up at conventions i think yeah for the most part beanies and badges and caps for me you know i've got quite an obsession of buying caps now it's like (laughs) because i'm out walking him in the morning and i'm like it's it's too warm now for a beanie so it is yeah definitely keep the sun out my eyes and i've got a very nice came through today so i'm very pleased i'll be debuting that tomorrow (laughs) very nice yeah my knights versus pirates um and griff gristle beanies have been relegated in favor of um my brethren born baseball cap all small press all the time (laughs) 
And um, reviewing, I mean, you've been up to your eyes in reviewing still. What What's the one yeah. thing you'd recommend to people listening to this? Because I always like getting recommendations off people who know what they're talking about. Um, one of the most recent ones I've just done um, is a completely off the wall madcap thing called tiny wizards um and it's written by a guy called eben burgoon and illustrated by uh dave Beatty. um and i discovered this one i was at dragon con in atlanta in 2019 and it was the last day i think and i'd finally made my way out of the non-stop debauchery that is dragon con um it's five day convention and it basically starts going on the thursday <laughs> and doesn't start there's there's no sort of cut off for the day it just keeps rolling and stuff right. goes on all night and it finishes at about nine o'clock on the monday and it was it was either late on the sunday afternoon or it was the monday afternoon everything kind of blurred together and we stumbled into their um sort of merch sales and artist alley which is four floors on its own god just to give you an idea of the size of this show um and i'm wandering around and um and eben was there and uh we got chatting and when he heard my accent he was like i'm working on a, a a comic with a british guy at the moment and we got chatting about tiny wizards um so when it came up on kickstarter he sent me a preview um and i was just like oh my god this is mental i love it um and he's just recently sent me the the finished first issue and if are you a terry pratchett fan uh yeah well the actually not the disc world um truckers diggers and wings which were all about uh, little people living in a department store right it's that (laughs) but just cranked up which you know when we're talking terry pratchett he was already pretty off the wall with most of his stuff um this is just like so basically tiny tiny wizards have come into our world and made their home in warring fast food restaurants in a truck stop town that's yeah, I'm, I'm interested already now that's that's brilliant yeah isn't it? so yeah and it's it's just completely madcap um re- but it's got a, a really interesting story setup that the mm. kind of main plot comes in right at the end of the first issue and i sat there going wait hang on i no i need i need more and that's always <laughs> that's always a good sign when you're sitting there going, oh, I can't believe they finished it like that. Um, so, yeah, that would be my my recommendation. Fantastic. So that's tiny. I'm just looking at it now, actually. And it looks it tiny wizards, look really yeah. good. I'm, I like Hugo. Hugo's got the kind of face that I like. Oh, Hugo, the derpy <laughs> unicorn. Yes. It reminds He's... me of my dog. Yes. <laughs> <He's> got... <laughs> that's how Marty looks in the morning, that. <laughs> Oh no, I'm, I'm into that. I might have to have a might have to have a look at that after the show. That's that's great stuff. Thank you very much. That's a great recommendation. He is planning to be at Thought Bubble this year, Ooh. so you might should be able to pick it up there. Yeah. And have you got any plans for any conventions? Are you planning to go I'm, to or appear? I am hoping to get to Thought Bubble. 
um, because that's one of those that I've wanted to go to for about the last seven or eight years. Um, And I'm always either working or doing something else at the other end of the country and have never managed to get there. So this year, fingers crossed, if all goes according to plan, I will be there. Excellent. Excellent. And I will finally get to put actual faces to the names of all the people whose work I've been reviewing for the last I don't know how many years. Um, And they'll probably all throw things at me. Oh, they'll give (laughs) over. We're not going down that reviewing route again. (laughs) No, they won't. I mean, at the end of the day, like we've said before, you know, people are going to review it. Um, You just got to, you know, you got to accept that before you do it. So, no, you have a great time if you go. We went to the, actually, it was the last one that happened now in 2019. It's a great event. I mean, it is is crackers. You know, it's very, very busy and packed. But, yeah, it was very good. Very good. So, uh, no, you'll have a great time. You can... Just don't get in the wrong queue and end up queuing up for five hours for Frank Miller because uh, I could see that being ah. quite, a, quite a performance. Yeah, I now you see, here's the thing because I dragged my copy of 300 across the Atlantic when I went to New York Comic Con in 2019 because he was there and I managed yep. to spectacularly fail to actually go and see him for the entire weekend and then dragged it all the way home again. So I kind of was thinking about going to see him. But I did hear you um, talking about it on the Awesome Comics <laughs> podcast the other night. And I was like, yeah, maybe I won't spend an entire day in a queue. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be it would be West mm. a monster in it. You know, he is one of those people yeah. that, you know, love or hate. He's a he's an absolute icon, isn't he, really? Yeah. Um, and absolutely. I've got a similar story with um, with Dave Gibbons as well. I've never I've still to this day never managed to get Dave Gibbons to oh. sign my copy of Watchmen. And oh. I've had several aborted attempts, including the last um, Thought Bubble, actually, where yeah. I had an opportunity and I thought, well, and then I saw a friend of mine who was tabling there. And I thought, I'll just go and say hello to Luke first. And we had a chat and I turned around again and it had gone from no queue to queuing oh. on the opposite side of the hall. I was like, oh, shit, I've done it again. So, yeah, yeah he still alludes to Dave Gibbons. I'm beginning to think it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> So when I finally met David Lloyd and I managed to get um, my V for Vendetta stuff signed, and I was like, it's about the third time I've tried this. And he's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm always around. I'm like, yeah, but I can never, never quite line up seeing you, you know. But uh, yeah. no, you got to do these things. you got to take these opportunities as well when you can to meet these people. Um, Absolutely. Especially someone like Frank Miller, who, you know, he doesn't exactly come over quite a lot, does yeah. he? So. No. excellent well, that's that's been really enjoyable and fascinating as well and i, I knew it would be um you know because as i say it's one of those topics that you know you, you don't really hear people talk about but it's it's like a dark art isn't it it's like plastering it's like you see people do it and you go that looks dead easy that and you do it <laughs> it's like, it yeah. looks like somebody's like throw mud at the wall but uh no it's brilliant claire it's been really really enjoyable and and really interesting as well and again, I will put all the links um, to Claire's various enterprises in the show notes. So you've got absolutely <laughs> no excuses for finding her and actually uh, engaging with with maybe the proofreading or, or buying some of that fantastic photography that your mum does as well, which is incredibly reasonably priced, I've got to say. Thank you. Uh, so just on that, I mean, do you want to give people um, an idea where they can find you on social media and you know, the dreaded social media? And websites etc etc 
Yep. So um, my main Twitter is um, at Kiara Cobb, uh, C-I-A-R-A-C-O-B-B. Um, or you can find me on Comic Scout on Twitter as well, which is more for the proofreading side of things. Um, or 100 Pennies Photo for the photography. Yeah, I think that's probably that, probably yeah. the best places to find me. It will. And if you're interested in seeing any more of my work, um, then it's all available at Art92. So the, the website's art92.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, H's tutorials on YouTube. They're all under Art92. Because um, as I say every week, you know, you get to our age and if you've got more than one handle like you've got, um, you know, yeah. we'd never manage. I mean, we're looking for them to put a pants on in the morning when we get up. So, you know, it's it's, it's just beyond my ability anymore. I tried to add another Twitter account um, that, that for the, the merchandise stuff. Um, oh, yeah. I tried to add that onto my list the other day and it went, no, you're already managing too many. You can't oh. have another one. OK, fine. <laughs> frustrating thing is you've got to have a different email for every account isn't it which is like yeah you know i don't really want 50 emails i can't remember to log into oh oh well never mind first world problems isn't it absolutely and, uh, but if you've <laughs> you enjoyed the show and i'm sure you have then you know you can check us out on um podbean spotify apple music it is now um i believe Ooh. we're on there and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode and if you feel inclined to give us a review then please do so because apparently it it does something called social proof which means that the algorithms actually believe that people listen and makes us more visible i don't know why this is all just bullshit and i don't know some guy told me and i thought that sounds i know i know sounds like a horse done it in the 330 at kempton (laughs) But uh, yes, if you want to give us a review, then please do. And if you don't, then don't. But if you are listening, then I'm extremely grateful because, you know, as I say, often I can't believe anybody listens to the show. So I'm I'm absolutely thrilled to bits when people download it and listen to it. So thank you very much. And thank you again to Claire for giving up your time. No, thank you. Bit of a false start. I'll have to confess that (laughs) we did arrange this a while ago and then... For some reason, I had some kind of, uh, you know, petty mal and thought yesterday was today and messaged Claire to say, right, you know, are you ready? And <laughs> it was like, I thought we'd be doing it tomorrow. I was like, oh, shit, I thought it was Wednesday. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was a day early, um, but we got there in the end, didn't we? We did. And, you know, thankfully, Claire didn't hold it against me for being a complete buffoon. Before we go, and, and until next time, I'll leave you with this advice from the great David Lynch, who said, keep your eye on the donut, not on the hole. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>